Good morning. Hey, thank you guys for, um, for doing that survey. That, that means a lot to us. It's going to help us in what we're doing, what Jim's talking about. That's rather, rather ambiguous. Uh, if this is your first time here, my name is Ricardo Stewart. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, I used to do a bulk of the preaching. We'll do such this morning. So if you have your Bible, why don't you go ahead and turn to Psalm 119. And if you don't have a Bible, go ahead and um, raise your hand. And one of the guys, one of the gals will be able to walk down your aisle and get you a copy of God's Word. And if you don't own a Bible, please keep the one that we were handing out. It is our gift to you so that you can grow in an understanding and a knowledge of Jesus Christ. Um, I want to start by saying welcome back to all of our college students. We're glad to have you guys back to church and back in the city of Tempe. Yeah, good. We got to drive a little safer now so we don't hit you on your bikes. And um, I don't know if you guys have noticed this. I should have brought one on stage, but we actually got red cups out there for our coffee and stuff now. That's in lieu of you guys. So uh, there we go. <laughs> so... Psalm 119, so here's what we're going to do today, it's a little bit different than normal, is normally what you do, we come in in this moment, we do the instruction, and they usually give me about 35 to 40 minutes to preach, sometimes the Spirit allows and lets me, uh, 50 minutes, but uh, today, uh, today I've been given 20 minutes to teach through Psalm 119, no sweat, just the biggest uh, chapter in Psalm, you know what, the biggest chapter in the entire Bible, but not, not a big deal. Um, Primarily because we are launching something today that you're going to hear more and more about, uh, looking at us as a whole church engaging the scriptures. And so Psalm 119 is all about the word. And so what we'll do is spend uh, 20 minutes there, and then I'm going to invite Jim back up, and we're going to do some Q&A talking about uh, what we're launching into. So again, that's a little bit different. And next week, we're going to come back, and I'm going to teach you. Please make sure you guys are here next week. We're going to walk through a method so that everybody could understand how to read the Bible and how to teach somebody else how to read the Bible. And so we're, we're looking forward to that. This has been a lot of work uh, from Jim's team and a, a few men and women here that have been laboring with that. So without further ado, let's pray because I, I am on the, uh, on the clock and uh, let's, uh, let's ask God to bless our time. Father, we thank you so much for uh, this day, this morning that we can gather um, as a group of people, God, to, to hear your, from your word. And many of us, Lord, who love you and know you and want to follow you, Lord, some of us, Lord, who are trying to figure out who you are, God, that you would reveal yourself. God, that you would show yourself to be faithful. And as we look at, Lord, sections in this scripture, Lord, would you raise our affections and our love for your word, that we would understand how the word shapes us and guides us and how much we need it and how it reveals to us who you are. Father, we thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so before I get into message today, this is something I've never done before, but I'm going to do. My mom's in town, and you guys always hear me talk about my mom, so I'm going to embarrass her right now. Mama, would you stand up right there? Uh, I'm going to get a whooping for that. So, so but uh, that's all right. <laughs> that's all right. Um, okay, so if you, if, I don't know if you guys are like me. You guys, you guys are probably not like me. You guys probably do it the right way. But when people text you or leave a voice message or something like that, you probably listen to the whole voice message. You probably read the whole text, right? I don't. And here's why. If I know the person, I just feel like the more I know the person, the more I kind of understand where they're going at. So I can read the first couple sentences and I can move on from there, right? So... Especially with my wife, because I feel like I know her the most. Like, I mean, I live with her, and we've been living with each other for nine years now. Like, I know her well. And so she sent me a text, and, or she does this quite often, and she'll say, did you read the whole text? I'm like, I didn't really need to read the whole text, because I read the first couple of sentences. I knew where you were going. You know, I complete your sentence. You know, girl, you know, we've been doing this for like nine years, right? <laughs> so 
But what happens is you realize later that there was something very important in the, the latter part of that text or that voice message that actually would have helped you make a better decision, right? So, so here's, here's a text. So I saved this text from, uh, I believe it was last week or the week before. And here's a text. It says this, never mind on moving those blinds, right? So I stopped reading. <laughs> here's the context. We, had, we were getting new blinds. There's no blinds in our house. And so for a few days, we had no blinds, and our room is in the front. So we, we were sleeping, waking up to the whole neighborhood like, there they are, right? And so couldn't wait to, to get the blinds there. And don't take that further than where it needs to go, all right? And so, so there was a guy that was coming in that was going to put up the blinds for us. And so she, she had asked me earlier, hey, can you move the different stack of blinds that we brought from Lowe's and put them in the different rooms? And I kind of was like, didn't want to do it, you know, because I'm like, we're paying some guy to come in and do it. That's his job, right? I don't want to take away from his money. Who am I to, <laughs> to do, you know? And so I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't move the blinds. And then when, she, when I got that text and it says, never mind, I'm moving it, I felt that was a way for her to say, I really wish you would move it, but I'm not going to ask you to, right? Because you know how sometimes, I know my wife does this, and I know a lot of wives, not all wives, they don't tell you what to do. They want you to want to know what to do. <laughs> and then to do it without explicitly you t- telling you, Right? All right, that happens. And so I said, I know what she wants. She wants me to move it. She wants me to do it on my own accord. She doesn't have to feel like she's telling me what to do. I'm going to do it because I understand she's going to like it. She's going to be like, did you move it? Yeah, I moved. I know you told me not to do it, but I did it. You my boo, right? I knew how that was going to go. <laughs> so then another text comes in a couple hours later, and she goes, hey, just, just a reminder, you didn't move those blinds, did you? And I said, I did move the blinds because I thought that you wanted me to do it. The night before, you asked me to move it, but I told you not to do it. I said, I didn't gather that from what I read in the text message. And then I could see the little bubbly lines like she's texting, right? And so while she's texting, I scroll down to look at the text that I didn't read, and here's how it read. Never mind on moving those blinds. Please just leave them there where they are. I'm afraid that they will be put into the wrong room if you don't know where they are, so please just leave them there, or it will be rather confusing for the guy when he comes. So again, do not move the blinds. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, I was just trying to love you, girl. I was trying to, <laughs> right? All right. Now, I say that because this is where we're going today. And I think this is many of us in our relationship when it comes to God. You see what happened there? I felt like I knew my wife because I do. Like, I, I know her. And I read a little bit about what she said for me to do. And then I took the little bit and said, okay, I'm going to make a decision on what she wants me to do off this little bit of what I read and what I know about her. And the whole time I felt like I was doing something not just correct. I thought I was doing something good only realized I was wrong, only because I didn't read the rest. I feel like many of us in this room, we know God. We know who he is. We have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, what he's done on our behalf. We, we read a little bit of God's Bible. We've been exposed to it. We don't read all of it. We don't understand all of it. But because we know God and we know a little bit, we go about living our lives in ways that not only do we think is correct, we think it's good. When really God has given us explicitly what he wants us to do, but we haven't read it. And we might be going through a little bit of the same things. There's some things he said, actually, no, don't do that, that we're going, oh, we thought you wanted, well, if you'd have just read, you, 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 would have, you would have seen exactly what I have for you. And so what we have in Psalm 119 is we have the psalmist who's writing this, and we don't know who wrote Psalm 119. We, we, many people think it was David, people think it was Ezra, people think it was Daniel, but we don't really know. What we do know is it is an, a, an appreciation of God's word. 
an appreciation of God's word. Again and again, he's talking about the word of God is this. The word of God is that. I love the word of God. I want the word of God. The longest chapter in the entire Bible is about how men and women appreciate, know, and love, and follow God's word. And so all I want to be able to do with today is talking about, okay, what does it look like for us to engage God's word? To engage God's word. And so looking at it, the, the nuances and how the word of God is used, looking at how the psalmist engaged the, the whole word with his body and his mind and his postures, and then ultimately how, how we follow Jesus and ultimately following God's word, and then we'll bring Jim up. So if you're with me, let's read the first eight verses of um, chapter 119. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, whose walk in the law of the Lord who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly Forsake me. And over and over and over again, the psalmist begins to write in that way of talking about God. Now, before we begin to engage God's word, we, we have to know God's word. We got to understand that the word of God, when we read it, it means a lot. Like, even as simple as this. I remember when I first read this um, years ago, thinking, okay, he says the commandments, the precepts, the laws. Like, what does that even mean, right? Like, like, like what does that mean? And so when I first started reading the Bible, I didn't know how to read the Bible. I, I used to do the thing that many of us do where you just kind of do like this. God, you know what I was going to do. You know all things. So you want me to read Romans 10, verse 20 today, right? And the next day I would do the same thing again, and I'd show up in Leviticus and go, you messed up. And then I'd go somewhere else again, <laughs> right? Until, until I bought a study Bible. I went to the Berean bookstore, which was a Christian bookstore. I walked in, got past Beth Moore, and then, and then, and then, and then I, and I asked the man there, and I said, hey, can you, I need to learn how to read my Bible. Somebody says I need to get a study Bible. And I was reading the, out of the NIV translation, and if none of this makes sense, don't worry about it. We're going to elaborate on this next week. Uh, and I got a study Bible, and I began to understand more of what it meant. And I began to appreciate God's word a little, little bit more. And so what I found out is all these words, like law and precepts, they all speak about God's word. But they mean something different. And so, so we don't have a whole lot of time to go through all of 119, but we can go through this and understanding the knowledge of the word and how you can understand things. First, law means instruction. That God actually gives us instruction. Like, yeah, he's loving and he's kind and he's gracious, and so we live into that, but he tells us what to do. Like, he wants us to do something. And then there's testimonies. What God solemnly testifies to be his will. It's reading the rest of the text. Like, the God has a will. He goes, I want to know the will of God for my life. How will I ever know? God's like... Here's a hint, right? Like, I have my will ultimately in the word. And he gets precepts. What God is appointed to be done, like what he wants to be done, right? Don't move the blinds, right? He knows exactly what's supposed to happen. Statues, what the divine lawgiver has laid down. Continue to this next slide. Commandments, what God has commanded. Rules, what the divine judge has ruled to be right in the word. What God has spoken, and over and over again in Psalm 119, which is the companion to Psalm 19, about God's word. It's saying, this is what God is saying. Here's what God's calling us to do. Here's what God is like. And his word is tethered ultimately to his character. Like, we don't read the Bible ultimately just to have knowledge. Like, we don't care, like, how much you can memorize if the memorization doesn't point you to God and others. 
Like the point is not how much scripture can we know or how much can we quote or how much theology and doctrine do we know because if the knowledge of God does not filter into our hearts and be expressed through our hands, it's meaningless. Right? Here's what James says. James says, even the demons know God's word. Right? It's like the demons are better Bible teachers than most people, you know, like, yeah, actually God didn't say that. He actually said this. But, uh, right? So it doesn't matter just knowledge, but you got to start there to say, what is it? that I can say that my way is blameless. And so if you transition from there and go, okay, I need to know God's word, I need to be exposed to God's word, I asked every single pastor, most of our leaders here, and about 15 other people, about 30 people total over the last few weeks, how did you learn how to read the Bible, right? How did you learn how to read the Bible? Because most of you guys probably put this when you guys put that survey. This is interesting, just from the 9 o'clock, we're just looking at some of the things. Um, Most people said they read their Bible less than 10 minutes a day, which, by the way, is not a lot. Um, But... When they do read it, they're very confident they know what they're reading. <laughs> I love us Americans. We're like, yes, when we do do it, we're the best, right? <laughs> and so, so when, when, it, when it comes to, like, reading your Bible, right, and I ask all these different people, here's what the common denominators were. Um, how did you learn how to read and understand your Bible? The ones who said they can understand enough to teach others. It all came down to they just start reading it. Like, it wasn't just reading a book about the Bible. It was reading it. To me, Bible reading is like riding a bike. Like some things you really do need to read the instructions, so I hear, right? And some things, you just, you just jump into it and you figure it out, right? Um, I believe riding a bike is like that. I don't think any of us, when we learn how to ride a bike, um, got an instructional manual. Okay, the velocity of my right foot when I push down on this pedal has to be precisely this. Simultaneously, the left leg has to be, right? We, no, you got on a bike. Um, somebody was there with you, um, probably a mom or a dad or a brother or somebody was there, and you start riding the bike. Um, your dad probably said, hey, I promise you, just, just chill. I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to let go. He lies. Let's go, right? <laughs> just so that you can see that you can do it on your own. You get nervous. You fall, right? And you start doing that process over and over again to the point where now you get on your bike and you start riding your bike. You don't think about it. You don't go, what did I learn when I was five, right? You just start doing it over and over and over and over again to becomes a part of who you are. And don't get me wrong, when you start riding your bike, some of you, you start doing, you start jumping off curbs, right? You start doing some other stuff. You start doing some stuff you shouldn't be doing, riding down bigger hills, right? You get good at it. And when it comes to the scripture, you just got to jump in. And you got to expose yourself to it. And you got not just reading it, but beginning engaging and being understanding, okay, Lord, what do you want here? Like, why is the psalmist so excited about, about this? And the next question that flows is going, well, how do I read my Bible? Like, is there a certain way I should read my Bible? Like, should I read it sitting down? Should I read it standing up? And I've gone through almost every possible way to read the Bible, I promise you. Um, I've read it where I heard some guy talking about reading with candles. And so I did the, can- I did the candle thing. And not just the candle. Like, I went and got the nice candle where when you light it, it, uh, it crackles like there's wood, right? And I would turn the lights off. Lord, be here. And he was looking at me probably like, turn the lights on. Um, and so, so, so there's, there's, there's ways where you can have a candle. You can read standing up. You can read sitting down. You can listen audibly. There's a lot of resources online where you can listen to, like, professional readers um, read you the Bible. You can listen to it with, with, with music in the background. I mean, you could be listening to the Gospel of Mark with Beats by Dre in the background. I mean, like, whatever you, whatever, whatever you have, it's taking exposure of the Word of God. But no matter how you read the Bible... You read the Bible holistically with all of who you are. So about, I don't know, four or five weeks ago, Jim Mullins taught, and he taught about praying like a human. It was so good. 
And I, I do think that when you read the Bible, you should read the Bible like you engage anything else in your life, like the person of who you are, with all of who you are. That you don't walk into the a Bible, uh, reading the Bible in a way that it's only for your head, but for also for your heart and for your soul and so forth. And so, so here's what I want to do for the rest of my time. I want to just point out the way that the writer of Psalm 119 writes. I encourage you all in one sitting at some point today or this week to sit down and read the entire chapter of 119. It'll probably take you 15 to 20 minutes to read it, but it is absolutely beautiful and convicting because you're going, this is the way they love God's word. And I don't know if I, if I love God's word this way, especially thinking all of them didn't have it like we do. There was no one walking down the temple saying, does anybody need a scroll? You know? <laughs> And if you don't have a scroll at home, please keep the one that we were handing out. Like, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't have that. And so here's the ways that in which we see the psalmist in, in engaging. First, you see him engaging with his body. And the scripture is going to just come up here. The first one is his mouth. In Psalm 131, it says this. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Right? Think about the last time you're like, Lord, I'm pant. Like, I, I'm so thirsty for your word. And not just his mouth. You see his lips, 171. My lips will pour forth praise, for you teach me your statues. Eyes, verse 18 and 37. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Like I want to see beautiful things out of your word. And then the inverse, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. If you continue here in it with hands in verse, 40, uh, chapter, uh, verse 48, I will lift my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statues. Meaning I'm going to lift my hands like I love your word. Like I love it. Like God, I just want to be around your word. Like whatever it is that you're saying. If you look at the word of God, not just as a book, but God's word, there are certain people that you want to be around and you want them to keep speaking, keep speaking, keep speaking. Right? You, you think about with that, that moment that you probably had where you like someone enough and you're on the phone and you're getting really tired and you're like, I'm about to hang up. Are oh, you hang up. No, you, no. One, three, one, one, two, three. You still there? You are still there, right? Like you want them to be there talking, right? It's just saying, Lord, I want to hear you again and again and again. And so he speaks of that. And lastly, when it comes to the body of feet and how he engages. When I think of your ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I mean, when I think of your ways, God, I'm going to do whatever you say. Like wherever you tell me to go, I'm going to go. Like, I'm just going to obey you. I may not even know why. I'm just going to obey you, Lord. I'm going to take whatever you've given me here, Lord, and I'm going to give myself to you. So you see him physically engaging in obedience and understanding God's word. Well, not just there, but even his posture. And so there's a few postures you see. One is walk. And you see this throughout scriptures and multiple times throughout Psalm 119. But verse 1 says this. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Like, his ways went. Like, this is how they walk. This is how they live. And so there's a posture in which they have that God's word, whatever God says, again, I'm going to do. Um, seek, verse 10. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. And that picture there, that posture of whole heart, you'll see a whole heart and you'll see the soul. Um, what that literally means is at the core of my being with my passion. Not, 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 not as literal heart, right? Like, like every part of his being, every part of the soul, I'm going to seek you, God. I'm going to give myself to you. That means when temptations are drawing me somewhere else, Lord, I'm still going to pursue you. The moments where I know that there's a million other things I could be doing other than reading your word, I'm going to find a place and a time in which I can expose myself before you, God, because you are speaking. So it's not just seeking, but there's this longing and yearning in verse 20, 40, and then also in 81. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all time. There's that longing. Behold, I long for your precepts and righteousness. Give me life. 81, my soul longs for your salvation. 
I hope in your word. He's just trying to be descriptive as best as he can for what he wants in God and a delight in God and himself. And then lastly, delight in verse 24, when it comes to these postures, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. I, I want to mention last, this, this last one here in terms of our senses, right? And he, and he talks about taste here in uh, Psalm 103. Excuse me, 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Like when's the last time you were describing, hey, how was your quiet time with the Lord? Oh, sweeter than honey to my mouth, right? Can I, can I just touch on that quiet time thing real quick? So quiet time might be the worst name to ever name it, just saying. And I get it, you probably were, you probably were taught that way, and, and if, it, if it's working for you, go. But one of the things my mentor taught me, which was great, was um, why do we call it quiet time? Like, it's the time we're supposed to meet with God, who's the most creative being in the universe, and yet we call it quiet, right? Like, when you, if you, if you do, think about the people you really want to be with. Are you thinking, oh, I can't wait to go be with this person who's amazing to me for quiet time, right? <laughs> no, right? And I get the premise of it. It's time for you to be still before the Lord and let the Lord speak. But there's got to be a way of going, I'm just going to hear from God. Like, so I'm like, this is God. Like, I don't, I don't want to quiet God. Like, if he's speaking, I need to be listening. This is sweeter than honey, right? And the, and the psalmist, you see what he's trying to do? He's trying to explain how good it is. Like, like this is good. Like, one, of my, one of my favorite experiences is watching kids eat ice cream for the first time. Right? And those of you guys with kids that give your kids ice cream, and those of you who don't, all right, uh, non-dairy gluten-free ice cream, right? And so when you, when you give a kid ice cream for the first time, there's a reaction. First is that initial, like, this is cold, and their eyes light up a little bit. They're like, this is cold. And then it hits their buds, and they're like, praise be to the Lord <laughs> who has created all things, and all things are good, right? And they kind of look at the parents like, why have you been holding out? Like, why isn't this in that bottle, right? Like, sprinkle some powder or something in there, right? Like, there's that sense of going, this is amazing. And he's, he's trying to explain, like, that, like, what something sugary does to us and our taste buds and why we like foods like that. Why are we drawn to it? I understand it's not that healthy. I get it. Um, but the word of God is. The word of God is. And it, and it satisfies us. It is everything that we need to know God. Everything we need to know he is and have relationship in his son. And I think the verse that, if there's a verse that hinges all of this, and, and in your titles of it, you'll probably have it there. And it's in Psalm 119.105, and we'll close with this verse. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. That is launching us into where we're going. When it says your word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path, a lot of that is imagery of going that God as himself is our light. That we acknowledge something about our own hearts and about our own world, and that it's dark. And when it's dark inside, we can't see where we're going unless there's light provided. And the word of God became flesh in Christ Jesus. And not only in Christ did the word of God become flesh, but also in Christ that he became, he became for us the light of the world. And when we were gonna, if we are going to take seriously this thing called following Jesus, discipleship, it's, it's going to mean that we take God's word and namely his son Jesus as the one in whom we follow. We don't read the Bible to know the Bible. We read the Bible to know the God of the Bible and primarily his son Christ in whom he sent and who was redeeming the whole world. And Jesus told us this after his resurrection. All power and authority has been given to him. And so he speaks to men and women and children like us. And he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe or obey all that I've commanded. We cannot be followers of Jesus Christ unto all of life 
if we don't know what he's actually said. And the way that we know what he said is through his word. The way we enter in through his power is by trusting in the work of Christ Jesus and the gift of his Holy Spirit. Amen? All right. Hey, 21 and a half minutes. Forgive me. <laughs> Will you guys welcome Jim as he comes to the stage? All right. All right, so we're going to, we're, 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 we got Frederick Douglass, we got squids, we got ice cream, we got all types of stuff that you're supposed to tie together. So why don't you do me a favor and uh, tell me, we, we're starting something here for a whole year called the True Story Project. What is it? Well, we, uh, we know that in heavy times like the ones that we're living in, and frankly, all time ever in history, we need a true story to make sense of the world, and the Bible is that true story. It's the true story that gives us a vision for everything from work to family to current events to the issues of our soul. And so we're launching this thing called the True Story Project. And very simply, for, for the course of a year, starting this September 5th, we want the whole church to read through the whole Bible over the course of a whole year. And we're basically just going to dive deep as a community into Scripture. And there are a bunch of facets to it. We're going to coordinate probably like 80% of our church from children's ministry to communities to classes uh, around this thing. But just I'm going to let you know a few things that we're doing that are going to help you to understand and read scripture uh, in community. First of all, we're creating a a Bible reading plan. And uh, who here has, has done a Bible reading plan before? Or at least started one. Yeah. You, you, you know how it goes. Like, you are fired up until you get to Leviticus, and then just, like, you start dipping in the New Testament a little bit, and then you're just lost. <laughs> but I think part of the reason why it's so hard for us is that we don't go through these plans in community. And with a common Bible reading plan that we have for the church, you're literally going to be, your, your 1,200 of your closest friends are going to be reading through the same stuff every day, and you can wrestle with it together. I mean, actually, it should be more like 1,000 because there's going to be 100 dissenters, and then we're not counting on the babies to read. But like 1,000 people <laughs> will be reading this with you. We're also going to ask our redemption communities to focus on the scripture that you're reading each week and discussing it and helping each other live it out and understand it. And then we're starting something new called uh, Open Bible Studies, where uh, almost every Wednesday night we'll open up the sanctuary here and we'll have men's and women's Bible studies that will track along with the Bible reading plan and where staff like Ricardo and myself and, and others will, will help you understand what you're reading. All right. Um, are the kids a part of this? Uh, the kids are a part of it. As a matter of fact, the Bible reading plan uh, has a... Uh, uh, a section where it, it has uh, the G Jesus Storybook Bible in it. So the kids can track along with the biblical story as we're reading it. Good. So speaking of story, you, you like the name story. When we were brainstorming it, you came in, you said you liked it. Why do you, why do you think true story stuff is good? Yeah. First, I would say this. Um, this has been so much work that Jim and his team of men and women have been leading. Um, it, it Like, I can't even describe how many hours and hours and hours and hours that the people part of this have been on. So would you, would you just thank them? Because it, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work when your boss comes in and says, hey, we need to read through the Bible in a year. We need to engage scripture. You guys got to figure something out. That was all I did. And I left. And then like a few months later, I came back and was like, dang. So right. the reason why I like the uh, True Story Project is um, 
I feel like I've had about three conversions unto God. And I know theologically that's probably not true. Um, But my experience is I really began to understand the gospel of Christ Jesus. And when I began to believe that Jesus died for my sins and that I was forgiven past, present, and future, that, that absolutely blew me away. And it still does. When we sing Jesus paid it all, it blows me away that that's true, right? And then there was another part of me that really began to understand doctrine and theology. And it was just like, wow, there's more to even understanding who this God is. And, and I wanted to teach it, and hence what I do now. And then the third one was understanding the Bible as a story. I had read through the Bible multiple times, and I had knew the different genres of Scripture and so forth. I knew the different parts of Scripture. And um, I took a class on Old Testament, New Testament narrative, and we began to read books about how to read the Bible as one grand story, as a true story of the world. And it absolutely blew my mind. It blew my mind in the way of going, now I see how this connects. Because if we're honest, we only want to read the New Testament. Like, we don't really want to mess around with the Old Testament, right? There's just too much stuff that makes us... Um, uncomfortable, right? It's like listening to our parents talking about how we were made. It's like, listen, we know it happened, but let's not go into the details of it, right? Let's stay here in the New Testament, right? Um, and so, so I, it, it began to, to begin to unfold for me. So part of it, too, comes down to this. We, we, as, a, we as a country right now, like, are fragmented for multiple different reasons. And even in the church it is. And I'm listening to men and women say, I'm trying to engage the scriptures biblically, and so this is where I landed. And then I'm hearing another group of men and women say, I'm trying to engage in the scripture biblically, so here's where I land on certain things. And I'm going, how are you guys both engaging biblically, and yet you couldn't be any further apart? And not to say that people don't interpret the Bible differently. It's like, no, no, these are like opposites. And a lot of it happens this way. Um, a good, good friend and mentor of mine, the same guy who told me not to call quiet time, quiet time, said, Here's what happens with churches like ours and in, in our church. He goes, we do a good job at we want to teach the Bibles, we want to break it down, we want to teach you doctrine. And so, you know, we yield all this language, like people come to church to get fed and then for the language word to be broken down and chopped up. And it's like, are we cooking? And so, like, there's a, there's a sense where it's like the, the frog that comes in the classroom in seventh grade. Frog comes in alive, you kill the frog, you cut the frog open, you lay everything open, you get the spleen, you go, there's a spleen and there's a heart, and you get all the different parts of the frog. And you can explain, here's what the heart does, and here's where this is, here's where it belongs. You can explain it so well, you can know it. But the frog no longer is able to do what it was made to do, which is jump. And a lot of times when it comes to scriptures, we can know certain verses and even certain doctrines, and we can explain it with clarity and be precise. But the Bible is no longer doing what the Bible was meant to do, which is to give us life and for us to understand who God is, his mission, and how we join into God's mission by invitation and command and to shape us as his missional people. And so essentially, if you can only understand parts of the Bible and you can't apply it to the waters of your life, it's not drinkable. And so I think understanding it as a story of what God is doing, not us, but how we get to be a part of it, helps us understand uh, the narrative from Genesis to Revelation. Yeah. And it's going to be a journey to, to not just snip out verses to proof text whatever we want to do in life yeah. or to put on coffee mugs, but to say that this is like an, a story that defines our life. But there's going to be some pushback probably. And, and, you know, in our day, the kind of postmodern don't oppress me with your, your, your rules day, yeah. you're going to have some people say, hey, this is legalistic. Yeah. Planning is legalistic. Talk about that. I'm convinced that most people don't even know what legalistic is. Um, even the people who say it, that's, legal, that's, that's legalism. It's like, what is legalism? I don't know, but I don't want it, right? Yeah. And 
like everything that, that before the ism is usually a good thing. Like race is a good thing. Racism, not a good thing. I'm assuming you guys know that. Um, there's, when it comes to legal, legal is fine. It's good. It's what's supposed to be and what's not supposed to be. Legalism is when you add to something. And so when, when people say there's legalism or people are legalistic, it's taking things in the Bible that are not true for all people at all times and applying it to it. So some person usually, in the way in churches it works is, you know, you hear people say you can't drink, you can't play cards, or you can't, you can't dance, and right? And that might be true for an individual. They may read the scriptures and go, my conscience doesn't allow me to drink. But it doesn't mean that everyone can't drink. It doesn't mean everybody can't play cards. Um, clearly, everyone can't dance. But, I mean, that, that's, more, that's more of ability than anything else. But there's, there's, there's a sense where it's like you apply those things to everyone that are not true. So in response to that, many people who are, who are raised in that have begun to experience grace and understand God's freedom and what God has done on their behalf. And they're living into the freedom in which God gives. However... They think freedom means divorce from rules. When God gives us freedom, and Galatians says, for freedom you've been free, it's not freedom to do whatever I want. It's freedom to be God's children and to do exactly what God wants because we believe that's where true freedom is. Um, There's no such thing as full autonomy, right? I can jump on the top of this building, and I have the freedom to exercise my freedom. At some point, the laws of gravity is going to impede my freedom, right? So when it comes to uh, the legalism, it's going... What has God called for me to do, and is this discipleship? Well, you're not going to find a verse in the Bible that says, thou shalt read the Bible every day. But throughout the scriptures, what you see is every man who's ever followed God, and even the God-man himself, quoting scripture. That when Jesus is in temptation, he doesn't just say, Satan, um, leave me real quick, please. He quotes scripture because the scripture's in him, because he knows the word of God. Um, it's something that he clearly at some point had, had to learn. And just being a Hebrew person in this world, he's had to know scripture. And so, and for us to be able to follow Christ, to know what he said, that to observe and obey, it's something we have to do. At the end of the day, it comes down to obedience. Like, do you want to obey God? Do you want to follow God? So in many ways, what we're going to do for people here is we're going we're gonna to help them out. We're going to pre- we're going to provide a bunch of resources because in many ways the Bible can be like that first time you go to a, a seafood buffet and it smells great, but there's all kinds of crustaceans and things with claws and sticks and you, you don't know how to eat this thing. And we want to give you some resources to help you devour and feast on the word of God, this, this bread for your soul. So let me tell you about a few of the, the resources we're going to provide. And I'm not going to hit all of them, but I'm just going to give you a, a little highlight. Um, next week, next week's where we really start launching things and telling you even more about what this is going to look like. But we're going to have a table in the back there that's going to have important re- resources to help you read and understand the Bible. Everything from a study Bible to good books to audio resources and recommendations of videos you can go watch on YouTube. And, and also just uh, any resource will be back there. We're also starting a podcast So uh, as Redemption Tempe, we'll have a podcast, and we're going to use that podcast as a way to answer some of the hard questions that you have as they come up uh, throughout the course of the year. Uh, And I'm going to stalk, like, biblical scholars and theologians and get them on that podcast, whether I have to, like, wait outside their house to answer our questions. But we're going to provide that for you if I don't go to jail. Um, (laughs) Our classes are all going to follow along with that reading plan. So before you read the book of Job or Proverbs, you'll, you'll have a class that you can attend to know how to read the wisdom literature. 
And then we're going to also have something called uh, a squid book, which I think will be really helpful to you, uh, but we won't get into that until next week. The cliffhanger right there. So anyways, here's what the squid book is. No, I'm just (laughs) 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 Got to wait. Honestly, make sure you guys are here next week. Because part of the squid deal will go into, I don't want to give it away, it will, it will go into what we're going to talk about to teach you all on how to teach others and yourselves how to read the Bible. So, Jim, to wrap it up here, you guys have been spending all sorts of hours and things on this. Tell me at the end of the day, what's your goal? Like, at, at the end of the day, at the end of the year, <laughs> after one year, what is the goal that you would want from us? Uh, Bible engagement. So if, if you're the left brain person, I'm going to speak to you right now. The engineer who just needs brass tacks, what are we doing? We're reading through a Bible reading plan that will take us through the whole Bible from September 5th until September of next year. And then we as a church are going to coordinate everything around that. That's the basics. Um, But the deep, you know, subjective, bigger stuff, the stuff that was stirring us about why this is so important has to do with Frederick Douglass. Okay, here's where Frederick Douglass comes in. Uh, Reading the narrative of his life, one of the things that shook me to the core is when he said, that the slave owners who were Christian were the worst. They were brutal because they were able to put a Bible verse behind what they did. And to the degree that Christians have either intentionally twisted or unintentionally misunderstood the biblical story, we have used the Bible to perpetuate some of the most unjust things that you can imagine. Slavery, uh, abuse of women genocide and 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 what happened in the beginning of this country here using bible verses to to give the authority of god behind evil things and we should tremble that we could be doing something like that as well but to the degree that christians have understood this story and lived within it and opened up the bible and saw god's vision of the world the church has created so many of the most life-giving institutions you can imagine from universities and hospitals and uh, human rights and the rule of law and the abolition of the slave trade and, and on and on and on. So we need to get this story right, especially as we grapple with the big questions that we're confronted with today. We need God's vision for, for all of creation. So to that end, next week we're going to get more into it. September 5th is when we start the actual reading plan. And right now, I'm going to pray for us and pray for this year that's ahead. Father, we are grateful that in the midst of a a sin-stained world, you have given us a revelation of who you are, of who we are, of what your vision for the world is, and of the one who is the answer, namely Jesus. And so, God, we just pray that you would give us a year as a church, as a community where we come together and we listen to you, listen to your address, and that we are shaped by you and changed and learn how to live all of life, all for Jesus, our blessing to our neighbors, and ultimately look more like Christ. Would you do that, God? And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.